Dear sweet mutiny radio listener, when it is two o'clock, do you hear the trippy music? You know what time it is. It is time for some call me Tim. Hell yeah. I did it, everyone. I finally did it. Ha ha. Sometimes I can actually time that out. I'm really excited today. We have a very special guest, Devorah Kasdan. She is a lovely human being, not only a comedian, but also just a nice lady. Uh, you know, I, I don't know a lot about her private life, and that's really not what Some Call Me Tim is about. If you have listened to Some Call Me Tim in the past, it is about what individuals believe in. And we've had her on in the past, and we've talked about her past with Judaism, and and I believe her father is a rabbi in uh, in the the Jews for Jesus kind of thing. She just oh hey, it's Warhol Kaufman just walked in the door. Devorah Kasdan going to be here talking about what she believes in on today's episode. Very excited for her to to waltz in here any minute. Uh, she let me know she was going to be a touch late, and that's fine. Uh, the second hour of Some Call Me Tim, depending on if Devorah wants to stay or not. Uh, we're going to be going through some more of the videos for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. I have to get from 50 videos to 25, and that is almost impossible. She is here. Devorah Kasdan is in the house, in the hizzy. And come on in, Devora. Thank you for being here. I'm gonna be judging customers. On the oh no no no. It depends on the end. It depends. We're gonna for the first hour we're gonna talk and then we can either you can stick around if you want, or you can say, Screw you guys, I'm going home. But um I'm going to be I've I have to uh it's it's a it's a difficult thing. I have to take 50 videos and whittle it down to 25 and uh, it's really really difficult. Devora, you made it. No, um I the the people in town, I the people in town I have chosen um uh, at the but it, basically I, I changed this year around a little bit. Um in the years past I um had people in town be an actual person in the festival and then they would get three shows out of 25 and blah 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 but I decided this time in order to include more comedians that I would have 25 people from out of town and they would all get three shows because there's 25 shows and then that makes sense um and then I'd have the in-town people, and we have three people on each show, and then they get you know a good amount of time. And the in-town people would just host one of those shows and come up with the theme themselves. So that's what we're doing. But we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about you. And you've been a you were a, a past participant on some call me Tim here, yeah. and you're back. Welcome I back. Know, I'm having flashbacks. Yeah. Well, last time we talked a lot about your. Um, slightly Jewish upbringing and I, if I remember correctly your father is a, a rabbi and Jews for Jesus so there's a Christian not at Jews for Jesus but yeah he is like a messianic Jewish rabbi so that's how I was raised and not a lot of people know what messianic Judaism is right uh, get get real up into that thing there okay. you go heck yeah 
Uh, and then I was just saying to the listening audience, I don't know, I don't know, well, it, and this isn't about your personal life, it's not, but I don't know a lot about your personal life. Like, I know you, as a comedian, in, then you left for like six weeks yeah. and came back and you didn't get like a facelift or anything, so I don't know. <laughs> That's what people usually do. They're like, they come back and they look so fresh-faced and you're like, you look great. And then they're like, yeah, I just look great. And then... Maybe they've gone. But I to don't look. So you're saying no, I don't I'm look saying great. you look great. <laughs> you're so young, though. You don't need a facelift. Is my point. I don't know. You didn't have mono or anything, did you? No, I was under review at my job, so I decided, and I was like Ooh. feeling a little burnt out, so I decided to take a break, focus on just my job. But I got let go from my job, oh, so so wow. worked out. You're like a career lady. Do you have a career that you're looking for, or do you truly want to do stand up as a career? I'm still deciding that. I'm like really trying to figure stuff out. Um, like I don't have a like I can't think of a particular job I want. But I you're, was you're like 26, a, right? I'm 27. 27. You're a college graduate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I studied philosophy. Ah, what do you do with a philosophy? Yeah. What do you I do dropped with a out philosophy? of grad school out of six after six weeks. <laughs> so did you go to graduate school for philosophy? Yeah, well, I I started a humanities program at NYU, oh, and okay. I could have done like a full like a heavy philosophy humanities masters, and like NYU is the top program for philosophy, so I could have done that. Why did you? What what happened? Did you was your belief structure suddenly shaken in yourself, or were you like philosophy? Who wants to get a master's degree in philosophy, or what was the or were yeah, you like, I'm going to do stand-up comedy. This sounds great. No, not that. <laughs> I don't know. I got there and like I'm interested, like I'm still interested in philosophy, but I was, I just got totally burnt out because I had to read a lot of books for under, for my undergrad A degree. lot of Descartes. Yeah. And a lot of Kant. <laughs> I think I like had this idea that like, oh, I'm going to be an, I Intellectual, and then I showed up at grad school, and I realized like I don't even want to open a book. Wow, interesting. Are you ever going to go back to philosophy, or are you just done? You're like, forget. I it. don't know. I'm trying to do things more in balance. <laughs> what, why? Um, I've never heard you do like a joke with like a philosoph. Like I've never heard you talk about like what a cunt cunt is or anything. Like even you know any like remotely being you know I know I should really use that I don't right or is it is it so distancing from your audience that they'd be like I don't know who she's talking about like what's going on is it yeah I just haven't managed I feel like I like there's a lot of knowledge I could use in my jokes and I just don't and I I don't know why um I just can't think of like any like funny philosopher thing to do <laughs> aside from like people are like oh I can't do this like it's just uh, stupid <laughs> I mean I guess there could be Nietzsche jokes because just because of the ubermensch or the superman just because we have superman in our own you know gestalt big words do people know what a gestalt is <laughs> they know what a zeitgeist is because of that dumb movie in 2001 but other than what that is, I know guess gestalt whatever isn't that a psychological theory? There's like, yeah, I use it. I use it as like 
group think like here we are I'm in this gestalt like it's the the, the thing that, current, that I'm currently immersed in that's like San Francisco has its own gestalt you know like it's maybe I'm using yeah. it incorrectly but I've always thought of it as sort of like the bubble that exists around you know like your own ideas and your own farts but that's shared with multiple people yeah and you're all sort of there together like in a like a soup of thought like here we are in this foggy soup of thought yeah so do you have any idea what you want to do with your life you're 27 now you you put all your time into this career the career said no I heard the joke about this I thought it was very funny it was like on the day you got fired or something unless it was still very you could still tell that joke say you were fired today but I mean what do you what do you like feeling now I'm feeling pretty lost. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like I've had so many different jobs. I mean, the longest job I had was I was an accounts payable clerk Oof. for two years, which is not exciting. That's like finance, but I mean, I was essentially just doing like a lot of data entry into Excel and like reconciling credit card statements. It has nothing to do with philosophy whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And it, organization maybe. That's about it. There's organization in, of thought in philosophy and logic and then also in accounts payable, but that's the only bridge. Yeah, there's not really... I mean, if you're an accounts payable clerk, like the only way to really move up is if you study accounting and become an accountant. Oof. And I actually did get hired at a nonprofit for like two weeks and they told me they were going to train me to be a grants accountant and then they like let me go because they're like oh you're not learning the software fast enough oh oh i've just been through i've had like so many jobs this year (laughs) in this year this year alone yeah Uh, why not just well and have you had enough that you can be on the fun employment for a while for a little bit but i'm actually gonna go down to san diego for a bit oh really to live with my parents oh wow yeah. So you don't have to pay the rent anymore and it'll take some pressure off you. Yeah. There's a lot of comedy down in San Diego. Yeah, I want to check out the scene there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good place. You're and you're you know, you'll move deftly through that scene or whatever. Wow, so this is a really like interesting point in your life because you're twenty seven, you can do anything. You can do anything. You have a degree? Yeah. Do you do do you you don't feel hopeful though you don't feel like oh I can do any I can I've already done like maybe think of it as so tell how many jobs have you had this year and and are they all different so I was still working at the religious organization as an accounts payable clerk so that was like the beginning of this year I left in May that was actually the last time I was on some call me Tim that was like a week after I left okay yeah and then I was working at a pizza restaurant in the mission for three months. And and you didn't like it. I didn't like it. And they fired me. Oh, did you, were you, was it, was it that you were interacting with people that you didn't like? Was it that you were making pizzas and you didn't like that? What was the thing that you were doing? I was doing, I was just like doing takeout orders and I was only getting night shifts because they only do takeout at night. And I just wasn't like super happy to be there. Right, so they right, right. picked up on that and they're like, 
<laughs> and they were like, "All right, thanks, but no thanks." Yeah, yeah. I've a I've a very hard time pretending to be happy, even uh, if I'm. <laughs> well, you and you yeah. shouldn't have to. I, I mean, yeah. If you're gonna be, uh, well, and I, I guess it's a choice that we all make. Is that am I gonna just smile and take it for the man, or am I gonna? I mean, so I I work in service twice a week. And one one to two days a week. And I love it. Like, really? I love it. I love all of it. I love making the tots. I love talking to the people. I love, like... Is it a restaurant? the food. Yeah. I, I work in a bar at the... Okay. So, like, I'm in a bar, which I like. We already know that. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm dealing with food and people, which I like, too. And I can pass out flyers and talk to them. And I get to make small talk. And they're drunk people. So, for me, that's, like, ideal. But yeah. for you, you're like torturous hell. Yeah, I don't know. I like worked at Starbucks at one point. This year like, too? Not this oh, year. Okay, okay, <laughs> this is okay. like actually like I lived in New York for a little bit. I've been all over the place. But like I worked at Starbucks for 10 months and like it was like a mixed bag. Like I don't know. Sometimes it was super, super stressful because I was like on the Upper East Side, and oh, there was like and they a want their latte of... now. Yeah, and it has to be soy with a little splash of almond milk. Yeah. And how did you not get the ratio right? Yeah, you dumb Starbucks worker. <laughs> but then I don't know. It was weird. Like I actually liked it when there were regulars that had very specific orders because I was like, okay, I'll get your venti, like triple shot, extra dry cappuccino with like one pump vanilla like I don't know I like I took pride in those like very specific orders that I was like yeah I know that person like so I enjoyed that aspect but I don't know I think like I tend to be more like in those situations I tend to be more straightforward or just like let's get all the drinks in a line and like get it done and sometimes that's logic interpreted yeah it's like interpreted as like oh you're being mean but you're being focused. Yeah. You have uh, what the world would, uh, what the misogynist world has has uh, coined uh, resting bitch face. Yes. That you, and it's just part of it. And I don't like the term either, but it's that, and it's such, such a misogynistic term because like, why aren't you smiling more? You know, you'd look so much prettier if you smiled more. And it's yeah. like, okay, so we've already discovered in our world that that's not, a cool thing to say to somebody and then we coined a term after it and it's like guys don't have you know, we don't put that on them we don't say oh you should really be more ple- we're firing you because you weren't pleasant enough really do I get it done yeah I don't know yeah <laughs> it's all, hard it, oh, no Auntie goes I've never I've been pleasant enough but I like literally try to be ridiculously yeah. pleasant at my job and I I sort of relish in it to be like, I am being super positive the whole time because the more smiley I am, it directly goes into how many tips I get. And the lower cut shirts I wear directly relates. If I wear earrings or don't, also, when I wear earrings, bigger tips. When I wear lower cut shirts, bigger tips. When I wore one day on Halloween, I wore short shorts because I was dressed as my, uh, my boss, except the sexy version. And he's a guy. Anyways, it was very easy to look like him. But I was like, I'm sexy Jake. And I never wear short shorts like that or whatever. And um, I got so many tips because I was showing basic, you know, like, hey, look, here's my body. Like, and I'm delivering you burgers. Like, so, and so I've chosen to lean into that. (laughs) 
and show him some cleavage. Well. <laughs> the bigger tits. Like, show, I'll show you the tits if you show me the you're a modern day philosopher I would think that you would like Starbucks because it would give you a lot of time to think since you would only be using like the you'd be using a different part you wouldn't be using like the higher order brain functioning that being a philosopher takes yeah I don't know maybe I could work at Starbucks for a bit when I'm in San Diego I just yeah like I'm all over the place I truly am just trying to figure it out yeah and like I yeah, like I do have a lot of resources. I'm lucky. I'm not like rich, but I'm like my parents are middle class and like they're also supportive of me. Like I was raised very religious, but at the same time they're like supportive of whatever I do. So with all those things, it's like I feel like oh, I should be like you know, happy and stable or whatever, but I just feel like so lost <laughs> cuz I have so many options. Well, so we know you don't like, so, and, and why do we all like gravitate toward the service industry? I guess maybe because the flexible hours, Yeah. but then it turns out to be inflexible. Usually you're like, I, I wanted to work at Starbucks for the flexible hours and now I'm opening <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I was working like all opening shifts. Oh, it was- it's such a nightmare. Like, because especially if you want to do stand up comedy and you, well, then you can't be out past, you know, 10. If you have to be awake at, I don't know, be there at five in the morning or something insane. So it's like, how do you balance that? Up? So, and I don't like kids or else I could like nanny or something. I've only right. babysat like once in my life. You don't, <laughs> so you don't like kids. You don't like service industry, but you have a college degree. That's the thing. You should be, it's like head over. I mean, what do you, what do you do? You look in the search engine, you know, uh, jobs for degrees with philosophy, uh, like, yeah. jobs with philosophy degree what do you I mean what is where do you go and that's yeah. a question a philosophical question <laughs> where do you what am I gonna do I mean there's been studies that like philosophy majors like they do much better like they do very well in other jobs because it teaches you how to think but I don't know what are the things you like to think about like if you just like stare out the window and like to think about things what kind of thoughts come up to you I think about God a lot. All right. <laughs> and I think about like, like what's the purpose of life? Like, sure. I know it's cheesy, but that's like, I do think about the existence of God a lot. And I used to assume that everybody thought about that, but apparently not. No, not a lot of people think about now. And this is a Judeo Christian God, or this isn't like the vibration of, this isn't like some Buddhist thing where we're all, that it's a vibration and enlightenment and kind of we're all God. But this is like there is a all-knowing, all-powerful being that's in charge that knows our every action. Like, yeah, I was. Yeah, I think mostly about a Judeo-Christian God. I mean, I'm like open to New Age stuff, but for the most part, I. I feel like I'm simple in the fact that I just think a lot about the beliefs I was raised in. Sure. And like a big part of me like wants to hold on to like all those beliefs. So it's right. like I'm constantly trying to reconcile that there is those a things. there is a paternal being that is infinite and not understandable by humans, but that cares about us uniquely. And 
wants us to make good choices? I don't know. What is your, like, I'm trying to think of. Yeah, like, I want that sort of God to exist, but I doubt that existence a lot. You're grappling with, yeah. Do you, um, how do you feel about fate? Do you think it's, do you, do you think that things are, right, here's the question. Do you think things are predestined or do you think things are chaos and willy nilly and something like that there's a sort of dice rolling effect and every once in a while there's like a magic? Nay? I lean towards the latter. Um, I was actually, I was trying to research a little bit before this podcast, but I remember like, because I studied philosophy at, at Christian University, so obviously I'm going to be like more biased. Hopefully not. Like I want to be open-minded and stuff, but I remember reading about like open the- theism, which is the idea that you believe in a God and God knows every possible thing that could happen, uh. but he doesn't he doesn't know what will happen. Like he doesn't know. Oh, like, so let's say you have like five different decisions to make, or you have five different choices to make. So he knows all those choices, but it's still contingent upon you making the choice. And he doesn't know what choice you'll make. Wow. Until it happens. I like this open theism. There's a, he knows the infinite possibilities, but because we, because he gave us the knowledge of right and wrong via the tree of knowledge and the apple and all of that allegory that explains why we have choice. It's like the sliding doors. If you remember that movie Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow and, and the doors, it's a, it's a mid nineties movie where Gwyneth Paltrow um, makes one choice to go on the subway and her life veers in one direction and she makes a choice not to go on the subway in another alternate dimension her life becomes this and so both it's like the idea of multiverse that all of these choices could happen it's like Rick and Morty do you watch Rick and Morty? I do not oh my god okay you need to watch Rick and Morty C-137 Morty um, there's in, in that Rick he's the smartest man in the world he creates a portal gun that he can go into any one of dimensions in the multiverse in that they're all all the choices that we make if we make that choice or not the all opposite or alternate choice is made and that becomes its own alternate reality and Rick is able with his sidekick Morty to go through all of these different cho- and he can see other Ricks and he's like oh my god Rick 148 or whatever is a, is a lizard Rick yeah. Anyways, but the concept that, but do do you believe in an, in a real infinite timeline that the choice is made and that's the only choice that could have been made, or that I believe in like infinite possibilities. Okay. I don't like believing in that, but I like I do. I believe that there are a lot of options, and also I get annoyed with myself for referring to God as He, but it's like just easier for me to say that. Sure. Um, but I don't like necessarily think God is a man or whatever. Right. Um, but that's how I was raised. I don't know what the best well, option. And so, do you still cling to the world? was created in seven days like when you look at the bible do you look at it allegorically or do you look at it as the word of god or have you separated you you philosophized past that um 
so I would say even when I was like really in it or like more of a more serious about like Christianity I still viewed it as an allegory like I was never taught that the world like maybe when I was like in kindergarten right and you're trying to teach the kids the basic stories like I was taught oh the earth is created in seven days but then like when I would ask my parents like later on like do you guys actually believe that and they're like no we we like think it's more of an allegory like or also like Santa Claus like Santa Claus is real but not real he's a story yeah. And we lie to our children for a while so that they can believe in this magic at this time of year. But then you say, you pull it away and go, well, it's an allegory for the spirit of giving. Yeah. It's, not about, it's not about a dude with a beard coming into your house, breaking into your house with a chimney, which is also a little creepy. And he's fat. That, that's so weird. They put the fat guy through the skinny hole. Well, I think they still... <laughs> We didn't celebrate Christmas either. I'm like, I, I should have at least ended. gone. Did you just finish Hanukkah? Did you celebrate this year? Aside from eating some latkes, I didn't I didn't even light a menorah this year. Wow. No All bad right. Jew. It's okay. I, I didn't either. The, doing the little prayers and the cover and the eyes and all the stuff didn't. I didn't even eat latkes this year. I did eat a lot of, a lot of potatoes, though. So. <laughs> I eat a lot of baked potatoes. Uh... <laughs> I do. I'm sorry. Uh, Berlin Savarin says, you know, they show. have to be drenched in oil. Absolutely. Butter mm-hmm. and sour cream. Uh, I mean, so I did. I, I, I guess I celebrated uh, the Maccabees and their amazing eight day oil. So do you look at Judeo um, myths, myths, wrong word, allegories the same? Would you, would you judge like the Torah and the Bible as the same amount of truth as like a, as like a text that holds truth, do you hold them both in the same esteem? Is my question. Um, no, I don't know what to do with the Bible at this oh, point. Oh, okay. Because I don't think it's like I don't think the Bible is a complete fairy tale. Like I still there's like biblical archaeology. Like I, I think it should be a revered text to some extent. Like I definitely don't think it in encapsulates like total truth like I've I've known a lot of people or I was even raised like with the teaching that like oh everything you need to know about life is in the bible and that just that doesn't even make sense like even if you are a biblical scholar and like able to interpret scripture correctly it's still like I felt like the more I I knew about the bible just the more confusing it got Absolutely. I feel the same. There's so many stories that I just can't fathom the purpose of them. Like I I go through, I mean, some of them I get like, okay, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. These guys really believed in God. And they told this other, this other king guy was like, no, worship me. And they're like, nah, we're not going to do that. We trust in God. And he's like, throw them in the fire. And he throws them in the fire and they live and they dance in the fire like la da da, but they're not dancing like scary. Like ow ow, they're dancing like this is really fun. Everything's yeah. cool. We're in the fire, and then they come out, and they had great faith in God, and therefore they're alive, and everyone else is destroyed. And I'm like, yay, okay, I get it, I get it. Have faith. But then you get the, uh, you get the Lot's wife, and then the Lot's daughters, and then they sleep with their dad in a cave, and then like what? They get their dad drunk. They sleep with him in a cave, and who's in the wrong is is this a story that 
incest is bad or incest is good. Like it's very hard. You could you could argue it from either side. You could say lots of bad guy, but the daughters got him drunk. It was their idea. Women are evil. Like anyways, it's I just can't even. I I just don't even know how to figure out what it's trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you have a? I mean, you you seem like a a pretty feminist type person. Does that jive? How does the Bible jive with your sense of of uh, equality for women? Yeah, I mean, there definitely is like feminist interpretation of the Bible, or there's like there's still gender equality debates going on from like a biblical perspective. Even I followed like the articles at my college and I'm like, Oh God, like they're having debates <laughs> between it's like, there's like two theories. Like one is like egalitarianism, which is like men and women are equal. And like, how do we interpret scripture that way? And then there's like complementarianism, Ooh. which is like, that cause each, you know how like, in Genesis, we each just, have our gifts and they're different than one another, but we need each other. And so we have to say that, well, they're better at this. Yeah. And we're, and as a woman, we're better at this. Yeah. Like, I'm better at having a baby because a man can't, but they're better at being respected in the community and making money. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just, that's just accepting misogyny, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Or that women are like naturally more like nurturing or like, I mean, I get, or the worst is like when women are described as the helper because Eve is the helper. Right. Yeah. Subservient. You're so good at being subservient women. You're so good at it. You should just keep doing it. You're yeah. so good <laughs> at washing feet and sucking dick that you should just do that. I think that washing feet is a euphemism for. Really? Dick sucking in the Bible, yeah. Or sleeping at the feet of... So when Ruth slept at the feet of Boaz for three days in oh, his barn, yeah. I think that she was duking it on with Boaz. Yeah, I've heard that. I mean, I've heard that even like in at like a traditional church service. One of the pastors was like, yeah, a lot of people think that's a euphemism. For <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mary Magdalene washing his feet and drying Jesus' feet with her hair. There's some sexy shit going on in there. There's a lot of like anointing of the feet and all of this foot play which I think <laughs> is why in Pulp Fiction you know Marcellus Wallace is so upset about getting his wife getting a foot rub because it is here's a good question we um you're not are, you're not in currently in a relationship I'm not you're not I have no personal life I feel like no you were correct life. earlier. You're like, I don't know anything about your personal life. I feel like I don't have a personal life right now. Maybe when you go back down to San Diego and you spend time with your parents and you can have the pressure taken off of you of a job. Yeah, it'll they're give you, already like, they'll probably try to arrange me with someone. Yeah, <laughs> set it up. <laughs> well, wouldn't I mean, that would be, you're at that. Do you want to get married? Do you believe in marriage? It's kind you know, of a biblical question, actually. Like, I don't know. Like, because I don't know. For the longest time, like, I liked going to church. I liked going to Christian college. But I think, like, deep down, I'm, like, actually terrified of marriage. Mm. And I think that's the thing that's, like, like, I think if I didn't deal with, like, 
really bad depression and if I liked kids and being married I probably would just be like a regular Christian <laughs> right staying at home yeah living the dream not. raising yeah. the kids making the dinner having the dinner done at five being the yeah or I have friends that do that but they also do like other things like one of my friends I mean she's like married she does stay at home but i mean she's also getting a book published by oh, harper collins cool. so like wow well why don't you you i mean you're a philosophy major you you're gonna go home write a book tell your parents like all right before i don't I, feel like i have anything that interesting to say i don't know maybe this really? is like a self-esteem thing but it's like or even with comedy too like i haven't done comedy in or I mean, I've been doing it now the past few weeks, but when I took a six week break and then came back, it's like, I don't know. I just talk about what's going on with my life. Did like, you I don't... miss it when you were gone for six weeks or were you like, thank God I'm not doing this bullshit anymore? It was a mix of both. It was a mix. So I, I took three weeks off because I went to Greece, uh, to the home of all the philosophers, Athens, which was lovely. And I can't wait to go back. And I only freaked out twice once when i got to rome at the beginning i was like looking for an open mic because i was like oh my god i haven't performed in two days and i need to perform oh my god i didn't say any, i didn't do any jokes on the plane and I, I never found the open mic and then a second time halfway through the trip we were we were 11 days into a 21 24 day trip and i was like I haven't done stand-up in almost two weeks. I'm freaking the fuck out. And I like had a little nervous breakdown about it, but then I didn't do it. And then I just got into it and I was like, I'm on fucking vacation. It's okay to not tell jokes. And so at the end of the three weeks, I felt like both like a regular person, which felt nice. And also I felt ready to come back and like really hit it because I was sort of but did you I just feel miserable you just feel miserable all the time <laughs> do you I mean this is a switching do you take any um, uh, SORI uptake inhibitor SSRIs SORIs so I've, I've been on different medications since I was like let's see third year of college 18, 19, since I was 20 so I was on antidepressants yeah I was on antidepressants for a long time and then I got diagnosed as bipolar two. Oh, and wow! What do they give you for that? I'm taking lithium now. Oh wow! What is that? How does that make you feel? Is it is that a good thing to take recreationally, or that just doesn't work? That doesn't work. It takes like a few weeks. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> it's like I was on a fixer before that, which is like one of the strongest. A fixer. Yeah. Fixer. Just yeah. I love the names. I love all the names. A fixer. No, I. They usually don't put you on that until like after they try a few other ones out because that one is like really strong. Like huh. when I was weaning myself off of that, I got like brain zaps. Oh, is that like a mini stroke? What's a brain zap? It's just like a little, it's just like tingly, like little <sighs> tingles. I didn't like it. Yeah. I would not be cool with that either. So seven years of of uh have you ever do you remember what it was it just unmanageable without the meds it was just unman like you were just like i can't even or yeah i was off so i was off meds for like seven months last year and then i was like fine for the most part actually but i still would like have ups and downs mm. 
and then I moved into a really tiny room and I was started having panic attacks with, with and that was I, it like, multiple people in a house yeah yeah and you just had your tiny room and then there was all this group space yeah and they none of them did their dishes yeah right I lived and in then a, there was a really really smart rat oh mouse no in my room oh my god I would not be okay with that yeah he that mouse like lived in my room for a month I set traps everywhere it was insane wow uh, I usually go with the murder box with a little bit of peanut butter and cat food. Do you know what the murder box is? This is the best thing ever. You don't no. have to look at it when it's dead. It's a box that you put eight batteries in, like D batteries, oh and my God. and it's and it's a murder box. You have to like you have to turn batteries, take them out if you're not using it because you can kill your cat. Um, but then you put it in there. And the little thing goes in, and it never comes out. Zzz, ah, dead. And so then you look, kind of look in the back, and you see, oh, God, there's something in there. So you don't even have to see it because it's a little box. And then you just dump it into the trash. Or you dig a little hole in the backyard. Or you get someone else to do it because I can't do it because I can't handle it. <laughs> I can't handle death. How do you, um, how, did you get rid of it? Did you finally murder it? Yeah, that was like. This was all exactly a year ago. It was a tiny room in Coal Valley. Coal Valley's a lovely neighborhood, but it was like... How tiny? Uh, 10 by 10? It was 7 by 8 feet. Whoa, <laughs> shit. I that fit, is I'm like... literally like a in, bed and a dresser, and that was it. That's like... I think that this wall is an 8-foot wall. Yeah. So it would be this, but to, to like... I was like living in a box. I see. I can imagine it in this room, and that is very tiny. And you were spending an egregious amount yeah. of money for it, and you had a ton of roommates, including the mouse. Yeah, that would depress me too. All yeah. living the dream, working days, being an accounts manager at accounts night, payable, going out to accounts. Payable. I actually do kind like. I knew I needed to leave, but. Like, I, I don't know. It was better working for that organization because it wasn't super fast-paced. Right. When, when is your exeunt to um, the lovely lands of San Diego? This is so the best I'm time of year. I'm going December 20th. Yeah, for Christmas. I'm for subletting my room for two months. I'm going to figure stuff out. Not sure if, like, I love the scene here and stuff, but I don't know yeah. if I can manage all the... Jobs sure. and stuff. Yeah. No, I got. I gotcha. Like, I have. I don't know how many jobs. One. I have like, you know, so many different people that I work for and do different things for to make this place. Like, I can't imagine doing it when I was twenty-seven. I mean, I, when I was twenty-seven, I was into stability. I mean, I was married. I'd been married for two years, and we just bought our first house and. You know, we were like, it was a totally different lifestyle. And were it, you working? Yeah, I was a credentialed school teacher for many years, um, and then I owned my own theater business, theater company in San Diego, actually. And I taught in San Diego. That's you don't like kids. You like, you know what? You actually might like teaching if you don't like kids, because it's easier to like teaching if you hate the kids. It, yeah. It's really <laughs> because you're like, I'm so into this, like, screw these kids. But you're good if you put the teaching above everything else you don't have to be like 
nice to the kids. You can actually be mean to them, which is a lot of fun too. Yeah, teaching um, high school English, you can be you can be mean or math. Ooh, you can be mean. Uh, you you might you might enjoy teaching. Not like maybe might, maybe not like preschool or anything because you have to be so happy. You'd have to or junior high teacher. You can really hate kids if you're a junior high teacher because all junior hires are like. You loved. I, I was junior high teacher for a couple of years. Love to hate them. Yeah. Yeah. Or special ed. That's another great realm to go in. Nobody wants to teach special ed, so they love it. When you teach it, you could do anything. <laughs> you could teach yeah. any book you wanted. You'd be like, let's all pick up the Bible. Actually, I wouldn't <laughs> let you. I don't know. Maybe that's Ar- like the Arkansas. one book you can't. <laughs> right, the one, the book that you can't. Wow. So you're going to San Diego. You've got, but this, it's it's just so exciting. It's also not, another thing too. It's like, not that I'm gonna like blame my parents for everything, but it's just like when you have that model of like, oh, my dad's a rabbi and he like loves his job, and my mom's actually a teacher. I'm just like kind of left with like, what do I want to do? Right. And I almost wish I was from like a blue collar family or something where it's like just get a job and like do it. Right. Become an iron worker. Be a. Uh, you know, be an electrician. Actually, I have a buddy who started, um, she's an electrician apprentice right now. She loves it. And she, but she used to do like, she wanted to be a CSI person. Like she used to do autopsies and biology and stuff like that. People find their way into weird places. I mean, but you get, you get to live with your parents who are supportive, but you don't want to write a book. I want to read more. I haven't been reading a lot. Like, I'm really interested in Simone Weil. She is, like, a French philosopher. She is a Jewish woman, but she converted to Catholicism, like, later in life. And she was, like, a revolutionary, and she, like, went to Germany in, like, the 1930s to, like, work at factories and, like... Whoa! She just like has that a Howard very... Rourke of... Uh, uh, sorry, that's a Ayn, Ayn Rand uh, example. But, yeah, yeah, working, doing a... Have you ever thought of doing manual labor? I have not. Because if she, she worked in a factory, isn't that, that's kind of manual labor? Yeah. I think sometimes that repetitive physical labor, if you're doing it over and over, can open up your mind to like a whole new branch of thought. Yeah. Because you just don't even have to, like you just, but then hopefully you don't chop your hand off, you know, with some kind of large machine. Well, why don't you just study her for a month and call it your own graduate school? Be like, I, mom and dad, you know, I, I know this is the cheapest graduate school I can go to. I'm going to study this. I'm going to yeah. do my own graduate school. No, I do honestly just want to like read for a little bit. Like I haven't been reading that much at all since like I graduated college five years ago, five and a half years ago. Yeah. Just kind of crazy to think. And like, I haven't read that many books since then. Well, you said you didn't want to crack a book for a while. So you had a five and a half year stint where you were like, fuck books. And now you're back. You're like, books are cool again. Yeah. So maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's, does, is, is there any good philosophy program that you can look into at San Diego State or UC San Diego? Are they either one of those? Do they have a philosophy master's degree? Um, I'm pretty sure San Diego State does. I don't know about UCSD. 
I mean, they probably do. I wouldn't, I don't know. I just imagine UCSD as such like a computer, like no, computer they have science a, school. They have a great, great theater department. It's the number one theater department for MFAs on this side of the, basically it's like New York or UC San Diego. But really? it's just for their theater department. Yeah, because they have the La Jolla Playhouse on on, oh, okay. on site. And, oh, yeah. um, so And a bunch of different theaters. And for dance, it's really great too, UC San Diego. Um, it's not just, dorky it's actually really great like art school i almost went there <laughs> did you I, I, the only reason i know about it is i went there for undergrad so oh, okay i didn't yeah. know that yeah that's cool graduated 96 long long, long i went time to ago. university city high school which is <gasps> like right there <laughs> i lived right by there i um i've lived in so many places in san diego but we bought a house that was in, actually in claremont right right on tacalote canyon my ex-husband and i it was really nice. Okay, I'll yeah. My parents live in Claremont. So that's oh, I lived off Claremont Mesa. Oh, so if I lived on Cindy Street. Anyway, I loved San Diego. It was great. Uh, I know, I know. I feel so privileged because I'm like, oh god, I have to move back to San Diego. Like I know there's a lot there, but I've always. I don't know. I like living in cities like San Francisco, New York, because it's just like I like sure. the busyness of it and like. I mean, San Francisco's changed a lot. It's gotten much more busy and more you should, techy and more rich. But when you get to San Diego, look into the Lawrence Family Jewish Community Center. It's great. They employed me for twelve years. I did summer camp programs for them. But they have all kinds of stuff there. Everything from like well, running the front desk you probably wouldn't like because then you'd have to interact with lots and lots of people. Uh, but they have tons of different stuff there. It's this huge, beautiful building and campus. It's gorgeous and. They have everything under the sun, and they're great people to work for. I always enjoyed um, the Lawrence Family Jewish Community Center throwing out a little bone to you guys out there, and they yeah. were they were great. Yeah, there's tons of theater down in San Diego too. Lots and lots of theater stuff. Do you ever thought about acting? You know, it's funny when I was like really little, or like when I was like eight or ten years old, I thought I wanted to be an actress. And then I took like some acting classes at Balboa Park, uh-huh. but I didn't end up doing any plays or anything. And then in my mind, like my parents were always supportive too, but it, even in my like child mind, I was like, no, this is unrealistic. And I was wow. Like, <laughs> yeah. The children's theater in Balboa Park is great. And they have a musical. They do a summer camp program. That's really great. We always took our kids to their program to watch the kids in the musical. They did a musical every year. That was really great. Yeah. I remember that whole thing too, the big tree outside the front and their little, it's, San Diego is great. I lived there for 12 years. I Did you do stand up there? Nope. Nope. I was married. I was in a different life. I How used, long were you married for? Uh, I was, he and I went to college together and we started dating when I was 19 and he was 20 and we were together for 13 years, seven of them married. Wow. Yeah. So we were together for a long time. Yeah, it was basically my whole 20s. I was in a like committed relationship with a husband and a job and I can't imagine. Birth control. I know we we uh, we had a Lexus. I used to drive a Lexus, right? Is that that's the weirdest thing. I used to oof. I used oh. to have a joke when I wasn't a comic I had a joke. Oh god. I just can't get out of Costco without spending $250. Do you know what I mean? It's just impossible. I go in there for butter and I come out with Calvin Klein jeans <laughs> and a cashmere sweater. <laughs> I used to be very wealthy. <laughs> yeah, I know you've said that before, but then it's 
Yeah, it's funny. It's very funny. But wealth is not. Wealth and comfort, I decided, weren't the main uh, cruxes of. They, they weren't the, the pedestals of my universe that I wanted to rest everything on. Even though for a long time it was. It was like money, stability, like job, house, What changed dogs. all of that, though? Um, I was drastically unhappy, and I didn't want to take um, medication. I was, like, super suicidal and depressed and very, very sad. And people would be like, that's so dumb. You have the perfect life. You've got a husband who's awesome, who's emergency veterinarian, has a cool job. You have four animals that are awesome. You live on a canyon. You have a spa. You have lots of friends. And you have parties all the time. And you have a great job. And you drive a cool car. Like, what is wrong with you? People would say that to me. What's wrong? Like, what is wrong? Like, why are you sad? There's no reason for you to be sad. And I was like, my life is unfulfilling. And so I... Was it just like, did you just like leave one day or was it... Yeah, I quit my job. One day I got up. I quit my job. Well, the, the, the main thing was that I stopped taking birth control. And I think that birth control is um, a systematic, like, way that our society tries to keep middle-class women like non-creative and uh, so that they'll acquiesce to the whims of their husbands and then they get them off birth control to get them pregnant and then they have kids and then they can't have any they don't get to make any choices anymore anyways so just you know just because it's all about the kid um but i i was on birth control for so long and then i got off of it and I wrote a novel in six weeks, and then I was like, oh my God, I'm creative. I remember when I was creative back in, before I was married, before I took birth control, when I was in college and I wrote plays and performed and did all this stuff. I remember being creative. And I wrote a, I wrote a novel in six weeks, and then I quit my job, and then I was like, I'm going to write all the time. And then I was writing all the time. And then I was like, my life is stupid. I don't like my husband. I don't like my Lexus. This house is dumb. I don't want any of it. So I just left. And I was scared. My parents have always said I'm stupid for doing that. And I didn't take any money from my ex-husband, no alimony or anything. I was Or palimony, whatever the fuck you get, alimony, I guess. Because I was like, That's, I, want, I, don't, I already did this life. I'm going to live a different life now. And so that's what I'm doing. But, and I'm, 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 did you go to San Francisco right away? I did. I did. Oh, I went to Burning Man. And then I went to I came to San Francisco because I was like oh my god what am I doing in San Diego also I had gotten a DUI so I couldn't drive anymore so I was like you can't live in San Diego if you can't drive there's no public tra- there, there is public yeah. transportation but only in certain parts you can't get from Claremont to downtown on public transportation I know that's another thing I have to figure out when <laughs> do you drive I do I haven't had a car in like since graduating college pretty much because I sold my car and yeah. moved to New York yeah for the NYU thing. Yeah. For my six week stint. <laughs> to be like, I'm, well, you know what? Maybe you just weren't ready for That's the thing is I'm really, I didn't go to graduate school until I was in my thirties. And at the time I thought, oh, I'm so old and this is so awful. But when I was in my thirties, I, I knew what I wanted to study. I knew. And if I would have gone to graduate school in my twenties, like I wanted to, I would have gone for theater, which wouldn't have necessarily helped me where I am now. So I'm glad that I wait. Cause I mean, going to graduate school for writing, I wouldn't have known to even do that when I was in my twenties. 
And all of a sudden, I'm in my 30s. I'm like, oh my God, I really, I really want to write novels. And I really want to write, I want to get, to, wow. So, and I was just ready to receive that information and to do a lot of research and reading and all that. So maybe you're. Yeah, I'm finally feeling ready to like read philosophy again, but it's been like five years. Well, then this is the perfect opportunity for you to do that. And I mean, it's too late because applications are usually due by this time for 2019. But maybe think about because you can give yourself the preparatory time with your parents with the safety net and think about, you know, which program you'd want to go to wherever it is in the country. Like, wouldn't you be ready to go to New York now? Because you're a comedian. You go to graduate school for philosophy and then you're right there. So like the two things, I mean, yeah, I don't know, but I've also like trying to solve your life today. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I appreciate it. Just tell me what to do. I've just, yeah, I feel pretty burnt out to be honest. Like, living in both New York and San Francisco sure. so I'm like and I wish I could say oh comedy is my thing like I definitely have an interest in comedy and like I enjoy it sometimes but I'm like so yeah I'm I'm very indecisive right now what's the one thing that you feel like you would you could do that you'd want to do every day that would make that you'd be like if I could do that every day I would be so happy, like baking a cake or some shit. Like, what's the thing that you would be like if I did that every day? I just like going to coffee shops and reading, but I'm like, you can't. But that's the, you're basically defining what a philosopher does. Yeah. Except without the, you just have to have the writing component, I guess. Because unless you're like Socrates, who didn't write anything down and only thought about pure thought. Then I'd have to get a following. Then you'd have to, yeah. Actually, a philosopher I really like is Pete or Peter Rollins. He does like, he has this study on like religionless Christianity and he's actually been, he's like friends with a few comedians. Like he's been on Pete Holmes podcast and like Moshe Kasher's podcast. And like, he'll just say like outrageous things. (laughs) And I just like, love it. Like he'll say like, Christianity is satanic or something like wow, that sure. and then like explain it yeah <laughs> hey I, I I'll believe it I mean there's a a unique selfishness to being unselfish if you follow the Christian way like if, if you give like the the gift is in the giving the more you give the more you serve the more yeah. then it's that's it's almost a selfish endeavor so and selfishness is the crux of satanism so i can see i could you could twist it christianity is satanism sure yeah or if you're taught like so solidly like to place all your hope in this thing and then it turns out not to be true mm. it's like it could be very bad i honestly i feel like that like contributed a lot to my depression because it's like i sincerely believed all these things and then you go through a crisis of faith and then it's just like really well i mean most things that we believe in are absolute lies like t-rex's bones were put together wrong or like (laughs) that's just one of my theories there's all kinds of things that we're taught and we believe and for a long time, Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, myths, all, there's all kinds of things that are truth to us and then they're ripped away and then you can't return to that innocence of, I mean, it's that whole tree of knowledge thing happening over and over. Like, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Knowledge is pain. Suffering leads to enlightenment. I mean. <laughs> yeah, but I still, I don't know, I still 
am very drawn towards like religion and like I don't know if I like making my life more difficult but like I so when I left the religious organization I was working at and like basically just very entrenched in like the SF comedy scene like I started feeling like I believe in God again and I'm like that's like that's weird like why is it that I I don't feel like I can fully believe these things like I really struggled in like college too to like believe all that when I was like in a very like Christian bubble sure um I don't know maybe I just like to think like I think a lot of people like to be contrary. Yeah, I was just gonna ever, say so maybe like, you just want to be contrary. So yeah, like, <laughs> but then that like annoys me to- too. I'm just like, uh, whatever. It annoys me when people like try too hard. Like I have like, like I feel like there's, or, or I have a few conservative friends who like post a bunch of like super like politically conservative things on Facebook, and I just think like I don't think you actually like believe these things. Like sure. you want to, like you just want attention for that well i have a buddy uh ben quick out of boston he's a comic and he decided on his facebook feed to write really ridiculous pro republican things all the time even though he's like a super democrat and he wanted to see what would happen and who would drop him as a friend and who would get the joke and what people would troll him and what people would like things and all that kind of stuff just as a social experiment for a while and it was really interesting like yeah what people that's the thing. Okay, so I think sometimes that people's actions are evil. And I say, oh my God, for example, our president is spreading hate and misogyny and racism, and that's evil. Yet, I think that the only way I can empathize with him is that he thinks he's doing right. He doesn't think. I think that when we interpret good and evil through our own lens, like that's the only thing we can interpret through is like our own our own lens and how we see in our perspective. And I don't ever feel like I'm trying to do anything overtly evil. I think yeah. I did one thing once where I was really trying to really be evil once on purpose. And it didn't make me feel good either. But usually I think people are thinking that they're doing right and that's where things get murky for me because I see where I'm like Republicans are greedy and they have so much money and they won't give it to the people in need and that's bad but then from their perspective they're like I've earned this money and I'm trying to take care of my family and that's good yeah so I don't know. or I mean most of the Republican friends I know. I feel like that's like a sin or something to say in San Francisco. I have Republican friends. Yeah, yo, it is. Most of my Republican friends, like they, like they don't even view it as like, oh, I'm providing for my family. It's like they just think the government is ineffective. Oh, yeah. They don't want to give money to the government. They don't want to pay taxes because the government is ineffective. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't think that anybody. I don't know. That's why I can believe that I think people are naturally morally good. I think that we're honestly trying to do right by each other. But our actions, even when we think we're doing good, can be interpreted by someone else as doing something super evil. Like, 
I've had a couple abortions. And some people would say that's super evil. But for me, being a mom and being a drunk are two like things that I don't think go together. So I think that I was doing something really good by not bringing a baby into my tiny apartment. <laughs> yeah. Like, how would I raise? What am I going to do? What am I going to put it in a backpack and take it with me to comedy shows? Like, come on. What, I'm going to take a baby to a bar. I don't think you're allowed to do that. So, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Morals. You believe yeah, people are hard. naturally morally good? Um, I think people want to be good. I think one thing I do like about Christianity is that it like when like if you actually believe the gospel it's like we're all depraved or like we're all sinful yeah like because we're fallen like our true nature is to be good so I think we want to be good but because of the fall or because of sin like we're broken people and I, I mean that's so I'm saying it in a very like Christian-y way but sure. I mean that's been said in like different ways that we're all broken reli- people yes yeah yeah so i tend to like i i think for the most part like everybody wants to be good and strives to be good and do their best but i think also like we need help with that like we 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 require outside assistance yeah. <laughs> either from from a higher being or from you know, friends or something. Okay, so we're gonna close on, on on this. What would your perfect day be like if you could wake up? Here you are in, and even it could be it could be San Diego. It could be what it could be anywhere. It could be in a in a bubble of a place that doesn't exist. It could be on a cloud in the sky. But what would your perfect day be like? You wake up at what time? I wake up at nine. You wake up at nine, <laughs> and you. I have some coffee. I, I mean, I end up doing a lot of this stuff anyways when I'm unemployed, but I have some coffee. I'll read a devotional. <laughs> no, great. Read a devotional. Sure. Read Get some thinking. Start like, thinking about yeah. thinking about morality and God and your place in the universe. Great. Great. Yeah, I'm on board. Pray. <laughs> great. No, pray. Good. That's then some people go. would call it meditation. Yeah, meditation. I've I haven't really meditated. I well, praying is meditation. I mean, um, go for a run. I a I run. love. Okay. I live in Lower Heights. I love running. I'll run like six to eight miles. Like I'll run through the Panhandle and like really? Golden I Gate Park. I didn't know you were a runner. That's great. Yeah. What, what a, and when you're running, it's a lot of time to think. Yeah, and that's when think. I. That's when I listen to my Burning Man mixes. All That's right. where my San Francisco hippie comes in. And you're, nch, 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 you're boots yeah. and pants in down the street. Boots and pants, boots and pants, yeah. boots and boots and boots and pants. <laughs> okay, so you're on a run. And then I come back, I make a meal, or I'll get brunch with someone. I was actually at Rachel's house because she's unemployed now, too. So oh, she made good brunch. For her. Nice. And gossip. No, we don't have anything to gossip about. <laughs> uh, maybe go to. No, I don't. So, like so you. I like to just a little like fellowship. Work. First yeah. is first. It's a little communion with the Father. Then it's a little bit of <laughs> you time thinking and talking. Then it's running and and being physical and thinking and listening. And then it's com- it's communion within a fellowship with another individual and then nourishment. Like, fellowship and nourishment. All right. Yeah. Then like. Reads, go to a coffee shop, read some philosophy, journal. Writing? Writes, Great. Yeah, write. 
and then do comedy. You're a philosopher. Your dream <laughs> job is to be a philosopher. You're already like... But I don't All know. you have to do is do it. But the thing is, you get the opportunity to. Your parents are willing to support. Like, what a weird dream. You're like, I would like to be a philosopher. I'd like to think all the time and read and think about stuff. Nobody wants to do that anymore. That's that's an admirable Is it really thing. admirable? Yes! Yes! <laughs> How is it not? Especially if you're one of the only people that could be afforded this opportunity. Could I ever be a philosopher? No. I don't have anyone to take care of me. It's the same thing of like... Back in the day when people were artists and they wanted to, they were really good at mosaics and they just wanted to do mosaics all day long. Well, they needed somebody to be their patron and to pay them to do what they wanted to do all day long. Or, you know, it's basically your parents are willing to be a patron well, they haven't your, agreed to that. They've they agreed, agreed to. <laughs> they've it, agreed to be not paying rent. Right. That's patronage. Yeah. So there you are. So you get the opportunity. To, so then it just becomes like how how can you get the how, how do you get a job to get the money you can play the racket game like I do and like just work a tiny bit on on the w2s and get on get uh, get food stamps then <laughs> you've got food medical yeah. get your get your insurance because you're too old to be on your parents insurance and be a philosopher I hey I, I guess maybe like I don't know because I dropped out of grad school I just thought like oh I can't do that but you can always you can always reapply there's you don't need an mfa in philosophy or a phd in philosophy to be a philosopher to to read and study and gain knowledge and find your place in the universe and be able to think about who we are as a people in the universe and like grappling with all that nobody else wants to do that seriously it'd be like it's just like but with accounting. I'll, but I'm also like, I don't know. I just get annoyed that that's the thing I like to do because it's, I'm just annoyed with myself. A right comedian now. is also a philosopher, I think. It's also yeah, a poet. A lot of, yeah, a lot of people say that, but then I don't know. I've also like, I don't feel like I really tell jokes on stage. I mean, I express myself, but then it seems like other people are annoyed by that. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if I, if I worried about how many people thought I was annoying, ugh, that would, that would be, then I'd, then I'd be in high school again. Hey, you gotta let your freak flag fly and you are a philosopher. And who else? I think it's like point zero zero zero. 2% of the world is like, I want to read books all day. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't, Maybe just, that's my new thing. I'll just hide out. I do still like comedy. Like, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with me in comedy. I do like it. I have, like, a very, like, intense interest in comedy. Sure. Um, yeah, I definitely want to check out the San Diego scene. It's, it's, uh, there's bunch it's just like it's just like here but a little smaller but they have yeah. the the comedy store in La Jolla which is lovely I've gone up there before uh and they have um there's a comedy um there's like place. the comedy palace right that's in there's one in Horton Plaza at the top and I don't remember what that one's called um it's downtown and there's some one of the good open mics is at a place called the stats if it still exists which is a 24-hour coffee shop in um not University Heights. 
Uh, it's p- past Hillcrest, like in so I think South Park or something. Anyways, it's, it's you'll find you'll get you'll acclimate to it quickly. It's a great place. The the only thing I really miss about there's a couple things I miss about San Diego. One of them, El Zarape is on University Avenue. Uh, in, uni- in University Heights, and it's uh, they have 99 cent fish tacos all the time, and they have a lobster chimichanga that's mind blowing. I don't know if you don't eat because you're the Jew. If you do not eat shellfish, I don't. Oh, okay, I well, keep like mildly kosher. Yeah. Well, then you wouldn't even want the carne asada fries because meat and cheese <laughs> together. Oh no, I you I just don't dairy. have pork or shellfish. Oh, okay. but Although I'm stuff. still, I've kind of like not even been keeping that. So well. Your morals can be your fle- flexible uh, rituals. It's fine, whatever. Anyways, El Zarape, I miss very much. And I used to swim the cove during the summer. I used to go down to the La Jolla Cove and I would swim. Um, and in the summer, the water's so warm, the ocean is like 70, 71 degrees. And I'd just be wearing a bathing suit, didn't even ever wear a wetsuit. And I would swim the cove like two or three times a week. And I miss that a lot because it's like four, at four o'clock, I get off of work. I'd go down to the cove and then you see the fish and it's kind of scary because you're in the ocean but you're swimming and there's the seals ah, 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 and you're doing the swimming and it it's smells just, over there no it's beautiful but it smells over there the yeah absolutely smell. yeah yeah but you're far enough in the water that you can't yeah. really smell it and, you know it's great but san diego was also in pacific beach and there should be a still a place there was a place called curry curry nation world curry oh god it was so good it was so good Anyways, yeah. I, I do miss San Diego a little bit. Oh, and in Hillcrest Sushi Deli. Oh, so good. It's um super cheap, super great. I have some friends that live in San Diego too that I miss very much. But you'll have a great time down there. Yeah. And then people will come visit you and you'll know the comedy scene and then you'll introduce us to your parents. Yay! <laughs> Won't it be fun? I embrace em, embrace what you like to do. Like, isn't that the point of I mean, what else are we supposed to do on this earth except our our God-given talents that we were that were bestowed upon us by the Creator? We were all given something, whatever it is. And so our, you you actually believe that that the that I, I believe that every person is endowed with a unique set of talents and abilities, and whether they are whether they find out even what they are, sometimes maybe people don't. <laughs> but I do think that. It, the trick is to find out what you like to do and hopefully it's something that you're also good at and then everything works but no yeah. I do I mean I do believe I'm maybe I'll look into what's it called when you like I've heard of people who travel where they'll, they'll like work on a farm or something for oh, like room yeah. and board uh-huh like in um uh, well, sweat equity is what we call it in the United States, but like all that stuff in uh, New Zealand, you can do that. Eco, not ecotourism, but you stay on the indentured servitude. I don't know. You stay on the farm, you work, and then you, you know, live off. It's like a, like a commune kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe go do a little. Did you ever do your um, birthright? Yeah, so that's a funny story. I've been rejected from Birthright like three times because they don't like Messianic Jews. What? And I know I've had people who like they either. I don't know what they put on their application. Maybe they just lied or like didn't talk about their upbringing. But like, yeah, they did three times. And I'm like, my name is 
my full name is Hebrew. My first and last name are both Hebrew. I am super Jewish, but it's harder. So my sister went on birthright and she actually had to get my grandma's rabbi, conservative rabbi in Pasadena to write a letter saying that she doesn't believe what in the Jesus part. Yeah. Ah, that's so crazy. It's the thing that's so crazy to me is that all of these um, new world religions, uh, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, all stem. They're they're all monotheistic and they're all basically from the same seed. You got Abraham, and yeah. we all believe that. And that, and I just that's so funny to me that they wouldn't let you do birthright when you're like, I really want to go. Like I want to learn, and that you, even as a even as a philosopher, a Jew, a philosopher, Jewish philosopher. Yeah, I think there's like, because birthright is run by more like conservative organizations or like Jewish conservatives. So it's a little bit different, but also they're like super Zionist, obviously, but they just, it's like one form of Jewishness and it's like funded by lots of older people obviously well and you know it isn't that expensive right now to fly anywhere so you could set up your own i'm still birthright i'm super trip. bitter about it <laughs> yeah but you could set up but the thing is you could set up your own trip i mean so they're not going to give you the 500 dollars for the plane flight i the rest of it you could yeah. the rest of it you could set up yourself i mean honestly i just flew to greece and it was like 500 round it was 550 round trip from sfo so wow. There's deals all the time, and yeah. and you and I mean, hey, put together a GoFundMe. I think it's a really unique story. Put together a GoFundMe and say, hey, I'd like to go on birthright, but they've rejected me four times, three times. They've rejected me, a Jew. Yeah. And see how many people donate. I bet a lot of people would be like, yeah. If yeah. you wrote like a little treatise about your your philosophical goals and your like personal study of comparative religion that exists with your like everyday thought well, who wouldn't who wouldn't do that yeah i almost put Gosh. together a gofundme um, i was i was really tempted to do like an open letter or like yeah. something Still, but same I was thing. Like, <laughs> open letter but do it on a gofundme and say yeah. this is an open letter to you know to and then you air your grievances and you still get to go on the trip yeah. Right? Because you, you could figure out your own. Send emails to people. Hey, let me stay with you. Although now I'm too old. I Wait, to do birthright, but yeah. you're not too old to go and set up your home, you know? I mean, I'd like to see the Wailing Wall and the, old, the wall of the Yeah, I went back in like and... 2007. I was 15. Oh, wow. Or no, 16. Yeah. It would be, but I didn't really appreciate it at the time. It was like, because my dad would take each of us like after our bar or bat mitzvah. Oh, he took you to Israel. Yeah, he would take us to Israel for a trip to get that experience. Put that in the letter too. I didn't get it when I had the opportunity. I wasn't ready to accept the knowledge that was there and accept the experience. And now, as an adult, I'm like totally raring to go back. I don't really want to go back to You don't want to go? Okay. I never felt a special connection. Like, I really tried to. I mean, it was a cool place, but, like, yeah, it's odd. It's like you would think because of my background, like, I would feel a special connection, but I, like, got there and I was just like, no, I don't, I don't feel anything 
you while know, I'm the, here. In the Dead Sea. Did you float in the Dead Sea? I like the Dead Sea. And I, I like the that. mountain goats. Oh, that's nice. Well, the only GoFundMe I ever thought about putting together was when I, right before I was about to have my abortion, I was like, what I should do is write a letter and say, hey, Christian rich people, I'd love to have this kid, but it costs a million dollars to raise a child until they're 18. And that doesn't even really count for college. I can't afford that. You want me to keep this baby? Give me some money. I'll totally do it. But I knew I was like, Pam, that's probably not. Because by the time I'd get the money, I'd, then it would be too late to have the abortion. So yeah. that's what I was, that was my whole thing. I mean, I, I would, if I had enough money, I, I, I would, I would have probably had a kid, but can't have kids without money. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I'm so glad that we got to discuss, um, your, your new, your new philosophy. Life. I know. <laughs> we'll yeah. <laughs> just, but just do like, you have the opportunity to do whatever you want to do right now. So like, Take advantage of that. Like, that's awesome. Like, what a... Like, how awesome to be able to figure it out and and not have to be... And and not have to, like, you know, be forced into something that you hate. And you should never... Again, with everybody's unique skills and abilities, I feel like whatever you're good at, there should be a place in the world for everyone for what they're good at. And there is. There must be. Shouldn't there be? Like, I don't know, like, am I going to get paid to read and think? Uh, if you if you are really good at it, I would say yes. Yeah. <laughs> Reading and thinking, that's, that's what philosophers do. But then the question becomes, does our society value philosophy anymore? Does anyone care about philosophy? Is it important? Is philosophy still important? Yeah, and, that, I mean, like, as a society most people are saying no but it's like there's a universal yes there it's still important yeah it's very important like i don't know i'm actually not a very political person and i hate like saying that like i do vote but i don't really like follow politics a lot but like Mm. philosophy drives politics like it's sure like a lot of people voted for trump out of like nihilism you know (laughs) yeah exactly fuck it could it be any worse yeah. Yeah. Which is a terrible way to put put his put that freaky deeks views in the rest of our perspective uh in our lens. I like the word lens cuz our little eyes and then yeah. how we see the world. Well, I'm excited. I think that in 10 years you're going to have some miraculous book. You're going to put together <laughs> the philosophy for the ages and we're all everyone's going to be like read the Read her manifesto, man. It's awesome. I need to live life, too. I feel like... I, just, I don't know. What do you... Well, then... Okay, this will be my last question. How... What, when you say, I want to live life, you don't feel like you're living it? What would what would be living your life? I mean, I do feel like I'm living it. I just feel like... So... Like, I've never been in, like, a long relationship, so I feel like... Oh. <laughs> it's almost like I feel like... Which at one point that would, it's like, I felt very empty over that. And I don't really feel empty over that anymore. But then I'm like, well, I, I feel like I'm missing something out mm. of the human experience. <laughs> like, that's such a, like, philosopher's way of saying it. But right. it's like, sure. 
I don't want to have kids. I'm just not going to do that. But I feel like there are valuable things. Like, I I shouldn't say should. But, like, you learn things by being in a long relationship. So I haven't had that experience. Well. Or even... I've traveled some, but I haven't traveled like everywhere, you know? Yeah, tr- definitely travel. Uh, long-term relationship is, uh, I can put it in a nutshell really quickly. Uh, once you've been together for uh, six years, you start fighting over, you know, which which direction the toilet paper goes. Or this morning I had a fight with Jonathan about housework. I woke up and I knew I didn't have a lot of time, so I started kind of doing cleaning up the garbage, but he was watching a movie and he wanted me to stop cleaning up the recycling because it was loud and annoying and I was like are you seriously picking a fight with me over me doing housework like I'm you want me to not do housework right now and we're gonna get in a big we got in a big fight and I'm like it was counterintuitive to everything because I was actually doing housework (laughs) he just didn't want me to do housework at that minute and I was like your movie is more important than me cleaning up the recycling really yeah what 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 what's what scintillating movie is this? And then then he's like, you gotta put everyone down. And I'm like, are we really having a really big fight over housework? Is that what it's that's what it's come to? Okay, so don't worry about it. Don't worry about the long term relationship unless that's you want to fight over housework. Like, when I tell people that, everyone's like, oh, it's overrated. Like, it, absolutely, <laughs> it's. I mean, I mean, long term. I've been in a couple of long term relationships. And a short term is better. Fun, fling. Don't get your, don't get too involved so that you feel sad when they go away. <laughs> but everything will be better. It'll be much more fun. But once you're, I, I mean, I guess you learn a lot about yourself in a long term relationship. Never. What's the longest relationship you've ever had? They've all been like three months. Yeah. Two weeks to three months. Because you rec- you recognize what? Either they're being a jerk or they decide something petty or like right. half of these dudes have been off of Tinder. So Tinder oh, is Tinder. Oh, you know? Tinder is Tinder. Wow. So Tinder hasn't been helpful or effective for you? No, I honestly should delete it. I'm on it, but I like never... I don't know. That's like, that's another thing I'm hoping like by living, cause I've done most of my dating in San Francisco and New York where it's like very fast paced and everyone's mm-hmm. just like thinking about themselves. So I feel like maybe it'll be different in San Diego. Like maybe, but I don't know. Right. You need to find some under married, under 30, non-married, no kids dude who doesn't want kids who also yeah. enjoys reading and thinking and running. Yeah. That's not too hard. That's very San Diego, to be honest. Everyone down there is in really good shape. Everybody's really physical, yeah. as far as I remember. Like, I ran when I was there, too. I mean, a lot less. The only problem I had with San Diego is that I commuted to my bar. My bar, my home bar, was 15 miles away from my house. Oh. My home bar was in South Park, and I lived in Claremont, which basically meant that I, every time I went to my bar, I drove home drunk which was like Ooh. twice a week. So it's just a hard play. But you're not a big drinker. No, I'm no. not. Good for you. Yeah, you're going to, you'll do so well in San Diego because you run. You'll be out on a run and you'll meet some guy or whoever. I'll be running whatever. around Claremont though. Yeah. Claremont is like, 
Tecalote Canyon. Just go down in the canyon. Tecalote Canyon is great. And it's Tecalote? Right, I've never heard of that. Yeah, Tecalote Canyon's right on the back of Claremont Mesa Boulevard. And it it's a really beautiful canyon that has... Just don't, don't run too late at night because it gets really spooky. But there's a bunch of different trails down there. And it's really fun. It's basically like, you know, in between all of the freeways in San Diego are these little canyons. And so yeah. you can run through them. And um, it was... Yeah, if you're in Claremont, you'll you'll find it. Tecalote is the Native American word for owl. Owl okay, Canyon, cool. Tecalote Canyon. Maybe that's the canyon that my parents live by. I don't know. Yeah. We're off the 805. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I miss it down there. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're going to do great. It's going to be fun. You can still come up and visit us here. When When's the big move date? 20, the 20th. Yes. And it, you've just two months. You're going to check actually, it out. actually, so, yeah, I'm subletting my rooms. I'm still keeping San Francisco open. Right. But I don't know. Right. Oh, yeah. it's going to be great. Two months. Yeah, because that's the beauty of it. If you're going down there for two months, you don't need to find a job. You're down there to, like, find yourself. Yeah. You're, I mean, and that's so cool. You get to go on sabbatical. Yeah. It yeah. is cool. It is. So don't. I am lucky. Yeah. I'm gonna try to enjoy it. Yeah, seriously, I know, I'm like very lucky. Yeah, and do that day. Have that day that you just described. That happy day. Do that as many times as you can. And the whole time, you're like, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to yeah. wake up at nine. I want to have my coffee. I want to go on a run. I'm gonna go, you know, think. Then I'm gonna read. I, that's. And I bet that by doing what you feel like authentically driven to do, the rest of it will all come into place. Because you'll be at some cafe reading something and some some person will come and see what you're reading and be like, oh my God, I just read that. Or I just, and you're like, this obscure philosopher that I'm reading, not to look cool, but because I'm actually like interested in it. <laughs> no way. And I didn't even meet you on Tinder. Like there'll be some authentic meeting. Oh, do you Maybe. like to run? Don't put my hopes I'm up, just man. saying, if you live that like thing that makes you happy, and then you're happy. Let's 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 just pretend, okay? Right? You live the way that makes you happy, and then you start actually feeling happy, and you feel fulfilled and happy, and life is going well. Well, that's going to be on the outside too. You're going to be like, I'm fulfilled and happy, and avoiding my parents' synagogue as <laughs> and avoiding my parents' synagogue. Maybe you'll meet someone. You'll be avoiding the synagogue, and you'll meet someone else. You say, What are you doing? They'll say, Well, I'm avoiding my parents' synagogue. And you'll be like, Oh my God, we're soulmates. <laughs> I am also avoiding my parents' synagogue. Do you want to go on a run? I love running. And then you run off into the sunset. <laughs> there are beautiful sunsets there. It's all, it's going to happen. I, hey, I also believe in that secret bullshit. Manifest the power of thought. It's all real. Like every, every choice, everything that happens in your life is your fault. You've made a choice to do it. Like, and you get this awesome choice to go to your parents' house. I, I wish I got along with my parents, like, because, uh huh, that would yeah. be <laughs> like, <laughs> oof. It's so nice too to feel, to remove that fear of money for a second, like to be to feel taken care of, like that patronage to be able to live the authentic life you want like a room of one's own very Virginia Woolf if you think about it someone's yeah. taking care of your room and your board and it gives <laughs> you the opportunity to be as creative as you want yeah to do exactly what you should be doing yeah and so you get you get a room of one's own read that again she's a great philosopher um the room of one's own by Virginia Woolf is like I'm like oh exactly if we could 
I haven't read that. You haven't? It's really short, and it was basically, um, she gave a speech to a woman's college in 1918, I believe it was, and then she wrote it all down, and, and it became, it's a very tiny book, and it is like some of the precepts of feminism, which is great. That's and, awesome. Yeah, Virginia Woolf. We uh, didn't read a lot of female philosophers or female authors for undergrad. Right. Shocker. At Shocker. My very conservative college. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for your future, even if you aren't. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what happens and watch you on the on the um, on the Instagrams. Yeah. And I the, mean, I'll definitely be in San Francisco. Yeah. Making trips and stuff. Cool. Well, congratulations on your new sabbatical. And thank yeah, you for being on Some you. Call Me Tim. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, come come back and give us the update. And, uh, I will. Maybe I'll eventually become an atheist. Although for me, atheism is boring. That's why. It, re- it definitely, I think, removes, a le- it removes some of the fear stuff because everything's... Because... Because it's almost, I think atheism is almost like nihilism. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. There's nothing up there. Nothing's judging you. Nothing's, there's no afterlife. When you're dead, you're dead. There's nothing. So it's almost like a safety because it removes the fear of, did I do good enough to go to heaven? Am I like a good person? It's like, nobody's looking. Who fucking cares? Yeah. (laughs) No one's keeping track. There's no book. There's no St. Peter. Nobody cares. (laughs) Which is, which is uh, life affirming kind of like in a nihilistic sort of way. Okay. We're going to thank you again. Yeah, and uh, what are you, you doing with the rest of your afternoon? You're going to do some comedy? Yeah, I think I'll hit up the Eagle. I'm, yeah, so jealous. Then I'm going to tag along with Rachel to see her at Rooster Tea Feathers. Oh, right on, yeah. Yeah. I never go down there because I don't have a car, so I've never done Rooster Tea Feathers. I've done it once. It's a good crowd. Like it's a really good place to get a, a clip. Ah, yeah. I haven't. I haven't done it. I haven't done it yet. And I work on Wednesdays, so I can't. I'm like, ugh, whatever. I'm doing every everything that you're supposed to do to be an actual comedian. I don't do any of that. <laughs> like going to the punchlines on Sundays. Nah, I don't do that. Go to go to Rooster Feathers. Nah. Like do I've it. Do done things all in that, Oakland. but them nope. like. Yeah, I just don't like any of my clips, so then I don't send stuff to people, and I'm like, right. well, I'm not gonna get any. <laughs> right. Yeah, I have no, I have no, I have no clips right now, but I still, I got, I got, I got booked in the Midwest with, with a shitty clip, so it doesn't oh, matter. Nice. Like, that was that was good. I'm like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna keep doing the Midwest. Fuck San Francisco. <laughs> I Where like in it the out Midwest? There. Uh, I was in Arkansas. I was in Little Rock, Arkansas. I got booked at uh, the Looney Bin, and I got past there I guess so I, I can go they have four locations they have one in Wichita Kansas and um, one in somewhere in Texas Lubbock Texas or something. anyways they have four they have four places in Oklahoma City and so I can try to get avails at all four of them and stay in their comedy house and do you know two shows a night and uh, went or yeah anyways it was re- it was really fun yeah and Audiences out there feel bigger because they actually take up two chairs. I mean, there's so many fat people that are sitting on two chairs. You feel like it's a bigger audience than it is because they literally just take up more space. (laughs) 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 It's it's a great, it was was a lot of fun, but good times. Okay. 
Have great sets tonight. Enjoy the Eagle. Say hi to Colin for me if you get a chance. Okay. And um, and have fun. Say hi to Rachel. Have tell her a great have a great set. Have fun. Do you, yeah. so if, on Wednesdays. You, you have to talk to them first and get a and pre-sign for their new talent showcase. Or how does that work? Yeah, you have to email the booker and. She can take sometimes like a few days or a week to get back, at least in my experience. Yeah. And then they book you like a month in advance. So it is like a showcase, but also anyone can sign up. Gotcha. It's a booked showcase. Booked. It's a booked open mic. Yeah. Basically. Cool. On a Wednesday. Someday. Maybe I'll go down there. I'll take a day off work and we'll see. Okay. Well, all right. I've said thank you 15 times. And uh, hey, everybody, thanks for listening to Some Call Me Tim. We're here every Wednesday from 2 to 4. And next week, no idea who's going to be here. I can't, I can't remember everything, anything anymore. I'm like, eh, this person. Uh, and thanks for listening. We'll be back. Uh, if you want to listen to some other great Mutiny Radio shows, uh, Happy Hour. It's good open mic on Fridays and Pam Jazz's Comedy Clubhouse this week is going to be really exciting. So get your tickets now. It's a really great lineup. Clay Newman, Matt Gubser, Veliska, Wynn, Matthew Quirk, Nicole. No, Nicole Turley was last week. Alyssa Westerlund? No. Journey Roberts. That's the one. Journey Roberts and Anthony Zaccaro. So a really great lineup and come out because the sf chronicle is coming to take pictures and i need it i need an audience so it looks like we're cool okay okay all right everybody bye I usually pick Bermuda shorts, uh, mostly because those are the only kind of shorts that don't get lost in my personal Bermuda triangle. You know, that is my vagina just like swallowing them whole. Uh, Every woman in this room should be laughing at that joke. If you haven't had to go fishing for the edges of your shorts and the great white shark that is your vagina, I don't think you can say you've lived life as a woman. Here's my problem though, when I put on Bermuda shorts, I have this like condition that plagues a lot of women my age. Like I go from being a fun, flirty 27 year old to looking like a 40 year old Girl Scout troop leader named Big Calf. Yeah.
Uh, Big Cass is a real bitch. I am petrified of Big Cass, okay? I don't even think she has a kid in the troop. She's just a lifelong Girl Scout, okay? Uh, I'm not sure if it's obvious. I'm a tall lady. I'm 5'11", so I'm two inches taller than the average American male. And in Boston, there's like weird pros and cons that go with that. Like uh, some of the cons are it makes dating difficult. But I live in downtown Boston, so some of the pros are that it makes walking home alone at night really nice. Because like if you've had a chance to take a look at me while I'm on stage, we can all agree on one thing about me. Um, I'm clearly a two-man job, okay? <laughs> like, I walk home alone at night, somebody pulls up alongside me, they give me the once-over, and they're like, oh, fuck. That's too much work for a Tuesday. <laughs> uh, I moved recently, and I realized the walls are very thin. Like, I was getting ready to go to bed. And I heard a groan through the wall, and I got concerned because my neighbor's a 75-year-old widower, so death is imminent. And um, I thought he was having a heart attack, so I wanted to do like the neighborly thing. I wanted to dial 911, and that's when I heard another voice, and it was a lady. And she was like, "Ooh, baby," and that's when it clicked for me. Right, my neighbor was getting laid. Um, fantastic news for him, but it also made me realize that if I could hear them lightly groan through the wall. They probably heard me cry myself to sleep last week. <laughs> Which explains all of the awkward hugs in our mailbox. <laughs> Uh, my parents like to visit me a lot, which is mostly good, but my dad does this weird thing where he comes to visit and he borrows my dog and he takes her into downtown Boston for the day and he likes to pretend that he's blind. Um, and that my dog is his seeing eye dog. So my 65-year-old father, just for fun, starts like bumping into shit um, until people ask him to leave. I don't have a dog that can pull this off. Like, I don't have a German Shepherd. I don't have a Golden Retriever. I have a miniature Dachshund. With one eye. Like, I'm my dog's designated seeing eye human, okay? But my dog is getting old. My dog is 14. She's blind. She has like all these fatty tumors. She looks like a bag of walking dirty laundry. And I'm worried that she's like sticking around for me. So I've started having those like really sweet, meaningful conversations with her. You know, like Pepper, if you have to pass, I understand. Or like Pepper, if you're in pain and you need to cross the Rainbow Bridge, I understand. Or like. Pepper, the vet said you were supposed to die four years ago. This has been a really good victory lap, but it's time to wrap it up. You're not in the five-year plan, okay? Mama wants to move to New York. Um, if it's not obvious by that joke, I'm single. I'm a real catch. Uh, but it is pretty obvious. Um, I'm pretty desperately single, though. I know that because recently I had a really good high five with a male friend of mine. And my first thought was, we should fuck. Uh, he said no. But guys, we're really good friends, so that's all that matters. Um, 
But things are looking up for me. Like I was doing a show recently and this guy came up to me afterwards and he was like, it is so cute that you're trying to be funny. Let's go on a date to Outback Steakhouse and talk about how you can be better. Right? Like I was like, oh my God, I'm in love. Like that's a soulmate if I've ever seen one. Like a man that not only is gonna make me feel like shit, but offer to go 50-50 on a blooming onion? <laughs> if you find a man like that, lock him down. He's a keeper. <laughs> um, I have a confession to make while I'm up here. In college, I had a strange addiction. I used to go to the grocery store and I would order those cakes for two. Yeah, those cakes are meant for like one depressed, lonely girl. Uh, but I was too embarrassed to order the cake and leave the store, so I used to get fun, flirty messages to my non-existent boyfriend written on them. You know, like, happy birthday, congrats on passing boards, you are not the father. <laughs> and I went in one day for just like a simple Cinco de Mayo cake. And that's when I realized there was only one cake decorator at that store. Uh, Cause all I got back that day was a cake that says, I know. <laughs> that was my intervention, guys. Uh, but I'm close with my family. I'm very close with my family. Like I went to visit my grandfather recently. He is a 92 year old World War II vet. Wow. Yeah, we took him out to, um, we took him out to one of his favorite restaurants. And at that restaurant, there's a woman with a shirt on that said, guess. And I think we all know of Guess as a women's clothing brand. Uh, while they felt that it was appropriate to just hobble up to that woman, you know. <laughs> and then after the shock set in, she looked back at him and was like, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, my grandfather passed away recently, but he was a very thrifty man. Um, and for example, like when he passed, he was a world. You said it, bro. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please make a lot of noise for this comic. She's an up and coming Atlanta favorite. Please give a very warm welcome to Julie Maritan. Buy me a drink, it's okay. Um, so basically, I cry into a vial, and uh, 
my tears off. And uh, they checked me for a bottle of rosé, a Netflix account, and sadness. Um, I am positive for all three. Thank you. Um, it was weird though, in fine print at the bottom, it was like, at least you're not pregnant, but your mom's getting a little worried. So that was weird. And no thanks. Well, you know, one reason why I love being a comedian is I get to make my own rules. You know, you don't have to follow a lot of rules. I'm really not good at following rules. In fact, I have now been fired from five jobs. Five jobs. I'm on what's called the BYOB plan with HR, bring your own box. <laughs> I know now not to leave more at my desk than what you can just carry out. You know? <laughs> so I, uh, I'm just not good, you know, I'm not good with that. But I know my God made me a lesbian, you know, I don't like to work that hard. You know, for the two or three straight people in the audience tonight, you guys work so hard. You guys work so hard. You know, think about it. Flow job. Hand job. I mean, I just found for hand unemployment, and I prefer that. Although, you know, I do think I could probably get a job maybe in the service industry because I like to eat out. We call it a low-hanging fruit joke. <laughs> but I do think you should kind of check in on your sexuality every once in a while. It's kind of like getting an admissions test. You know, just kind of check under the hood. Uh, I recently went to Key West. And I kissed a boy named Logan. <laughs> and I feel like you know you're a lesbian when you kiss a boy, but you both have to turn your hats backwards. Kiss <laughs> each other. And you know, as if that wasn't frightening enough, Logan got an erection. And I mean, that thing, it's like a 3D printer, just right, just right there. Like, I, and I've not seen one of them in a long time. I was like, I don't know what to do with that. Do I order it a drink? Do I order it an Uber? I no idea. I just basically put my hat on it. Yeah. Um, I was uh, watching porn recently. Actually, backstage. You gotta kill the time somehow. Um, I was watching some porn. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, after you watch porn, you kind of feel like the world's worst person, you know? It's like, in the moment, you don't care. But afterwards, you're like, I am a terrible, disgusting human being. Um, and I was thinking, you know what would make the porn-watching experience so much better? Would be, think about how much more outstanding you would be if they did porn categories like they do Netflix categories. Right, think about it. You click on a video, it's... Critically acclaimed cum shots. <laughs> or foreign gangbang featuring a strong female lead. <laughs> very cultured. Or my favorite. So you recently watched Orange is the New Black? Well, Pornhub recommends once you go black. See you more. That's my time, Julie Meritech. Thank you so much. of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship 
as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is Darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. at mutinyradio.fm it's a great place to listen to crazy things subliminal sf visual and auditory mind control brings you the best coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind bending local bands and shows at venues all over san francisco in the bay area subliminal sf is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com and experience Subliminal SF. Yeah. 
Welcome. Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5. Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Bender's is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Bender's Bar and Grill. Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Novoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at mutinyradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips. Don't know anything about it. Sorry. <laughs> All so, on my limited view. Yes, every Tuesday from 12 to 2. Uh, oh, you can if you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah, and Google Play. And Stitcher. iTunes. Oh, you already said that. TuneIn Radio. Uh, Stitcher, you said that. Spotify. Oh, my God, there's just so many. And Overcast. Um, yes, you can also find us on social media, M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter, podcast, MOV podcast is our handle. Until next time, I hope you're enjoying your review. Yes. Bye. Bye. That, was, that kind of sucked balls. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and I'm giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be 
Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Mutiny Radio listener, it's that time of year again. March 1st through 5th, it's time for the 4th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Over 40 comics, 25 shows, 5 days, all here at Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street. 25 shows, 5 days, amazing comics from all over the United States here in San Francisco to entertain you with 25 differently themed shows hosted by local San Francisco comedians bringing you comedians from all over the United States here. Everything will be live, live streaming and podcast post. Get your tickets, $10 a show, 25 shows, a million laughs. It's the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival brought to you by Benders, Counter Offer and Subliminal SF. Flat Black Plastic, it's special Tuesday afternoon version that's going to be subbed in on Saturday, so who knows what's going to happen with, you know. From the weed, in a country garden, a lovely rose looked down upon a common weed and said, you are an unwelcome guest economically useless and unsightly of appearance. The devil must love weeds. He made so many of them. The unwelcome guest looked up at the rose and said, Lilies that fester smell far worse than weeds, and one supposes that goes for roses. My name is Dorothy Perkins, the rose said haughtily. What are you, a beetle weed, a bladder weed, a beggar weed? The names of weeds are ugly. And Dorothy shuddered slightly, but lost none of her pretty petals.
never understood his fascination with rhymes or beats or beats and poetry. He was considered elite. Became a young gangster in the streets of LA. Lost connection with his true roots far away. But no matter the job or crime, crime, he never lost his hardcore obsession to rhyme. New York's hip hop movement broke loose. The 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 movement broke loose. Since busting rhymes was his natural thing. The West Coast MC King, King. But after his inauguration, there was a rush, rush of whack rappers with one intention to crush, crush.